that is here for the first time today. I'm Pastor Mona Stephen. I co-lead with Pastor Glenn, who is my wonderful husband. I don't know where he is. Oh, there he is. And uh, it has been a good, good uh, series. We've been doing a series every month, uh, partaking the word unshakable. And we did the unshakable journey, which is what we need to understand that we don't get where we need to get overnight. It is a journey that we walk alongside, you know, the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then we talked about the unshakable gospel, that the message is to know Christ and to let others know who he is. It's very simple, and sometimes we just complicate it. And now we're up to the unshakable identity. And without a clear understanding of what that is, we will be defined by many things, beloved. And that is why we're going to break down what identity is. We're going to continue to build the foundation and to give you guys some nuggets, just some truths that you can actually probably embrace. And if you do not only know, believe, but you understand it so much so that you trust it, your life will change. And so before we start, I want to actually bow our heads and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come. I don't know about you, but I need strength. Losing that one hour yesterday, for some reason, I found myself waking up every hour last night because <laughs> I was thinking I was going to miss church. So it's just like, I know that God is here This uh, in just the worship, just sensing his presence. We are, a, we, we are so blessed. We are so blessed to have the freedom to come corporately and just hear about what God has to say to us. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you, God, that you are awesome and good and just and merciful and perfect. You are compassionate. You are forever true. You never lie. Therefore, there is no change in you. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can bank on your trustworthiness, Lord. You are steady in your nature and character. There is, you are a sure foundation for us. And so we, we lift up your name. Jesus, we lift up your name above all of it today, God. And we ask that you would come, O Holy Spirit, to enlighten our hearts, to give us understanding, to send the, whole, the, the spirit of wisdom to come, and so that we can be people not only who know truth, but also practically live it out. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do ahead of time. I'm asking for the anointing and the grace to get through this. I'm also asking for strength and just the sustaining power of another. God, I thank you for what you're going to do ahead of time in Jesus' name. Amen? So the question we were asking is, who are you? And what defines you? This is what we've been asking ourselves in the last week or so. What is your identity? That's the question that many people struggle with to get an answer. Now, too often people base their identities on what they have gone through. If I give you a little bit of a situation, when I was a kid, I lived in a very low income uh, uh, community. And it was well known who was living there, which side of the town you were living, if you're coming from this community in particular. And this is where I was actually born, raised, and, and I was raised in that community until I left Ottawa. 
I was in that, in that area. But I found myself uh, being labeled quite early. Uh, you know, we had hand-me-downs. We didn't have a whole lot of money. We didn't have a whole lot of food. But when, whenever we went to school, however, and whomever I was walking with, as soon as I said that I came from this place, and this was my address, or I gave him my name because our family was known as a party family and that we were good for nothing. And so a lot of other parents, as soon as they knew who and who I was belonging to, would, you would see that their, their demeanor would change very quickly. And so these events sent me messages of my worth from a very young, young, young age. I felt that I had very little worth, very little significance, and that my love was really based on who and what I knew in my life. It defined my every move. And unfortunately, significantly, it limited my life for years because those messages are reaped played in our head. And even though we hear good things, even though that I was encouraged and affirmed, and, and even though I did not know God per se, I knew of him, he, I saw how God had sent many people in my life to turn me around, to, to let me know that I was well-loved. But the negative messages were so, so just rutted in my brain and in my mind and in my personality that it did not matter all of the affirming, the loving people in my life, what dictated and defined how I made my choices were all of these little events in my past. These messages were sent over and over again. See, the truth is, is that God intends for all of us to live out life with a new identity. If you are a Christian, your identity includes all of the abundance of being a beloved child of God. But I'm here to tell you that no matter where I go, no matter where I preach, I see this lack of understanding of identity in many of God's people. We don't walk around like we are kings, daughters of a king, or sons of a king. We walk around like we actually have no belonging to something so much greater than what we are living. You see, we talked about what identity is, so we're going to go through this very quickly and then move on to where I want to bring you today. So last week we said, what is identity? Identity is defined as the qualities and beliefs that distinguish a person. Identity is the core of who we are. Who I was was defined and dictated by a whole lot of what I had lived when I was a child. Remember, I was abused mentally, emotionally, not so much physically. I got hit here and there. My sister Lynn got abused physically quite a bit, but I was sexually abused. All of those messages bring a lot of shame. Now, see, a lot of people say, well, I didn't have it that bad, but trust Trust me when I tell you, there are messages we receive even when our parents are, are leading in fear. When our parents are not knowing where they are and they don't walk in boundaries, it leaves us undone in many, many ways. And it does actually, it, it, it affects us to the very core. Everything we do and say stems from our confidence of who we are and who we are not. 
Decisions are made, actions are taken because of where we placed our identity. As I said, when we are looking to find our unshakable identity, we have to look to one place and one place alone. But unfortunately, we go to other places. Even today, if we call ourselves Christians today, we go to other things to try to find our worth, our significance, and our fulfillment. See, the bottom line is this. Who we identify ourselves as affects every area of our lives. And even though I knew truth, I didn't really understand the depths of my identity in Christ for years. And because of it, it wasn't truth that actually defined me, but it was really my todays, the here and the now. See, according to the word of God, God created you and I with an identity. And he fashioned it to be constant and unchanging through his son. He designed it this way so that we could walk in freedom and in confidence. Many of us, if we are truly truthful, and this is what it's all about for you and for me today, is to be truthful, to stop pretending that we're okay. We have to stop lying to ourselves because last week we talked about how we go to our false identity to actually create a sense of worth, and it leaves us disillusioned. This week, we need to go and find out what is it that we we are embracing, where are we going for our confidence in our freedom? Knowing and even though we, we sin, even though that we continuously mess up, do we really know that we're forever loved? Do we know that we are useful, powerful, because his spirit lives in us? I don't think we even give it a second thought. That's where we have to start. Ephesians 4, 5, uh, uh, chapter 1 Verse 4 and 5 says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He, you were a thought. You were a, you were, he was thinking about you before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. It was his will and his pleasure to think about you, to bring you to a place. So even today, wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with, if you can grab a hold of that, tro- that truth that he's chosen you, maybe that discouraging thought that tells you you'll never change, maybe you will be able to say, hold on, wait a minute. I've been going to the wrong things. I'm going to go back to truth today. See, no one and nothing can take away our God-given identity, but it is up to us either to accept it and reject it. Over a course of 31 years, I had rejected the very truth of my identity and who I was in Christ. The evidence was the result of my life. I had very freedom in some areas in my life. I still controlled quite a bit. I still was very, uh, you know, just knowing that the approval of others were just so much more important than the fear of the Lord. And these are things that were exposed and the loving father would just put his fingers on these things. He would say, I have something better for you. I have called you out and qualified you for something so much more, but you are defined by a whole bunch of other things that are movable. And so he kept on calling me back. He kept on saying, Mona, you either accept it or reject it. And sometimes I really didn't know what he was saying, but I only had to look at the outcome. 
today, I only have to look at the outcome if I find myself repeatedly in a place of being overwhelmed, anxious, and fearful. Now, does that mean I'm never anxious? No. Does that mean that I'm never overwhelmed? No. Does that mean that I'm never sad? No. But I can guarantee you at one point or another, I'm going to go back to accepting what is God telling me in this situation? It's either what he says is true, not because I feel it, because I didn't even feel coming to church today. I didn't even feel bringing this message to you today. Because I understood that what my core was, was based on what God was speaking to me all along. Not because I felt it, but because I knew it. So here we are, we have a choice to reject his truth or to accept it. And for whatever reason we have, we are left defining our identity by things like life experience, like I just shared with you as I was a little girl, opinions and approval of others, people in our lives, and even our abilities. You see, if I don't, I used to be like this until God gave me a scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.15. That was very, I was at the beginning and we were here. I was so consumed with fear, fear of failing. Have you ever experienced it? Oh my goodness. You see, I wasn't defined by what God was telling me, Mona, by my power, by the power that lives within you. You will be able to do pretty much anything I put before you because I'm going to equip you. No, it was all about my abilities. It was all about my strength, how I was going to do this and how I was going to keep this and how I was going to fix this. And at one point or another, I came to the end of all the how-tos. And God gave me a scripture and he asked me, you could accept it or you could refuse it. That day, I was smart. I accepted it. I said yes to that truth. And so I understood that little by little, as I was growing closer to Christ, it was all about accepting or rejecting the truth. So it's absolutely crucial today that we understand who we have become and who we are in Christ. Now, the sooner we realize that that all we want and need is in Christ, the sooner we can live the lives we have been seeking. Many of us, we're seeking lives of victory, Who's not seeking victory here today? Who's not seeking restoration, power, peace, love? We are all seeking it. But when we are not, when we're going to find it somewhere else, it gets delayed, beloved. See, this journey to find our identity starts first with the receiving of the gift of salvation. John 5, 24 says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. At the cross, something fundamental has happened to me and to you. I was dead before the cross, and now I'm alive after the cross. Not only is my spirit more able to be aware of the presence of God, I have a new nature in me who is the Holy Spirit who dwells within me leading and guiding me and he is the one that brings me to that place of understanding that I don't have to be defined by how I do things or not as we journey in finding our identity in Christ we are changed forever 
We are transformed in our perspectives. That means the way we see life, the way we do life should change, beloved. If it hasn't changed in 12, 14 years, I have to tell you, you've embraced something else or you've totally rejected the truth that is before you. No way did God intend for me to stay like the woman I was 31 years ago. Are you kidding me? No, God is forever pushing me out of my comfort zone. Forever telling me, Mona, you could actually embrace this if you want to, but I have something else for you. And it is that something else that I crave for. So my perspective and my life changes. And when those things change, my attitude and then my behavior. You see, we run after the behavior. But beloved, if your convictions don't change, (laughs) your behavior will always be a problem. But if you let the life be transformed within you and God starts changing your convictions and your attitudes, your behaviors behaviors will follow. That's why it's so amazing, the gospel message. Now, there's an author and a missionary that I love, Elizabeth Elliot, and she expressed this. Listen to this. She got this whole thing of identity. She says this, the fact that I am a woman does not make me a different kind of a Christian. But the fact that I am a Christian makes me a different kind of woman. Did you get it? Oh my goodness, I wish I would have fell on that quote a whole long time ago. But she makes a distinction. The reason it doesn't matter what gender, it doesn't matter what title, it doesn't matter what place I hold, as long as I see myself as a child of God first, everything else will follow. Everything else will follow. Our identity in Christ should be a fixed anchor guiding us through the changing seasons and circumstances of our lives as children of God. It should be the anchor. But many of us, our boats are so tossed to and fro in our, the, the, the circumstances, we can't even take time to breathe. We lose sight of the line continuously. We lose sight of eternity. It should also know that when we have our identity, it should shape every aspect of our lives. Unfortunately, we are defined by many things, as I said, that are movable. That means our relationships. I mean, our relationships with our spouses, with our children. I saw this one woman not too long ago, and she was just saying how she was experiencing depression. So I said, well, how did it start? She says, well, and it was amazing because it didn't matter what I said. She could not accept the truth. She said, well, you know, I, you know, I, was, I was always busy with my, ch- my children. You know, I was always doing a whole bunch of things, bringing them here, bringing them there. And then I was working. And so, you know, I found who I was and what I was doing and working. And all of a sudden, my children now are grown and gone. And, and, my, and, and I got hurt at work. I got hurt in injury. And now I go to work, but I, I, I can't go to work. And so I'm at home. And I became depressed. So what do you think is defining this woman? Is it the reality that God said, even though that I lose my job today, I could actually be and continue being what God wanted me to do, to be a child of God, knowing and also making other people know who he is. It's amazing how sometimes when things don't work out, God exposes what we're, we're defined with, but instead of going back to God and accepting truth, we go back to the message, oh, we'll never make it out of this. Oh, it's always the same. Oh, you know, where, why God is he, is he not answering? No, he has answered. 
If you've seen the way you respond in life and you're defined by what you have and don't have instead of who you are in Christ, you need to stop in your tracks. You need to go back and find out why is this reality not changing my life? Now, Paul says in Colossians, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. So if I am in Christ today, If you and I are in Christ today, does that mean that all things are held together? And if I know that all things are held together, why should I choose fear over trust? Just a little something. Understanding who we are in Christ impacts every areas of our life. Let's dig in. We have these life-changing truths that we're going to see in the next three weeks. And my prayer for this series is that for you to experience the fullness of life offered for you in Christ. Don't waste your life pursuing the emptiness of what the the world tells you that will define you. Because in the end, they will never deliver what it promises. Sometimes we say, if only I had a better body, then I'd feel so much more happy. And we get a better body, and we're just as miserable as we were before the body. And, and that's spending a whole bunch of $100 to go to the gym to get that done. And sometimes it's about, okay, if only I had a, this wardrobe or maybe this house, then maybe I will be fulfilled and content to find out that once you get those things, after a few months, it kind of like peters away, doesn't it? Because we understand that we can have a home, we can have a house, but it doesn't mean it's a home. You know, a lot of us, we put a lot of defining markers of our life and how we're going to be happy and content by what we have in our life. What in the world would happen if today I would wake up or I go home and my house is on fire? What would you see in my life? Now, there's a grief of loss. There will be sadness. There will be all of that. But in the end of the end, if I understood what Christ was saying to me, in the end of the end, practically, I would understand at the very core, I'll be okay. I will be okay. So in the next three weeks, as I said, we're going to discover the meaning of the truth of who I am in Christ that I am justified, adopted, secure, free. I am unfinished. I am accepted. I am, I am actually being made perfect in Christ. And all of those things. But today, I really want to focus on one thing. I'm going to bring you through real quickly. How does our identity in Christ change our lives? How does our identity in Christ change our lives? Knowing our identity and believing it that we are in Christ is one thing. But understanding how to practically change the way we live is another. That's where the accept and reject comes into play. Here are a few ways that understanding our true identity in Christ can greatly impact the way we live our lives. And remember, my past impacted the way I lived my life over and over again. It drew from me in such negative ways that it limited God's life in me to be all that he should be. You see, it's not God that said no, and it's not God that limits me or puts me on the sideline. It's I that do that. And so here, we, the first one that we see when we understand how the, the, our identity in Christ impacts our life, we start pursuing 
wanting to glorify God and not glorify ourselves. So the first point is we pursue the glory of God, not our own. Let me show you what scripture says here. 1 John 2, 15, 17 says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride uh, in possessions is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Remember, it is the good will of God for us to understand what we got from Christ. Our identities are firmly rooted in the sense of worth, and it determines our life choices and daily actions. It is how we see ourselves which gives us a, a sense of value and significance. So if I see myself through the truth of Christ, then it would give me a sense of value and significance. If I saw myself through what you say about me, then my value and significance would lower, wouldn't it? All depending if you like me. If you like me, it stays high. If you don't, it goes down. High, down, high. I'm tired just doing this. But that's what we have to understand. Our identity can be forged in only one of two ways. Holy by ourselves and outside of God, or holy by God and his word. First John provides a snapshot of what these two lives look like. Our identity before Christ looked at the world and all within it and sought how to manipulate those things for our own glory and to attain our assurance of significance. This was what used to dominate my life. It dominated it before God, and it tried to satisfy, I tried to satisfy my hunger and a whole bunch of other things that never actually could give me that sense of worth and love. But John is saying, no longer is that our, our identity. Instead, because we are now followers of Christ, we are in Christ, our love is not of the Father, and our desire is to do his will. We don't have to go seeking those things in the world anymore, but we still do, beloved. And But when we are so busy doing it, we fail to accept the very truth before us, that we have everything we need in Christ. See, a heart that truly knows its identity in Christ could not be more content since we could not be more loved and accepted. How many of us are looking for love? How many of us are looking just to connect and to feel accepted? Just don't even go past your homes. What about in your homes, your spouses, your children? What about your workplace? What about here in church? And this leads us to the second point. We no longer fear the future. When we understand who we are in Christ and it impacts our life in a very positive way, we don't fear the future. Romans 8 says this, For all who are, led, who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. If we have peace with God, then we have nothing to fear on this earth. Our eternities are secure as adopted sons and daughters in Christ. So, don't, so we don't need to fear financial collapse. We don't need to fear losing our jobs, getting Ebola, or, yes, somebody said I didn't want to say it out loud, or to be ridiculed for our faith. Of course, these things are easy and they can be painful. 
But when our confidence is in our Heavenly Father, that He is sovereign over all of our lives, then what happens is that we know that no matter how tough this moment is, if we pull back and we start finding the truth, then we start actually experiencing the equipping of the Holy Spirit in us. See, this week has been a very hard week for me. It was a week that was consumed with a whole lot of anxiety, which I had not felt in a very, very long time. Now, no one has to tell me to be anxious for nothing because Scripture tells me that all the time. So no one had to tell me that I was doing wrong. I didn't feel badgered by God. I didn't feel angry or disappointed by God, but I did feel his nudge to come back and to be away and to reason with him one more time. And over and over and over again, I chose not to go someplace in order to stay home so that I can wait and seek God. Because you see, beloved, this anxiety was so intense that it significantly limited my ability to see God. Now, that's a good reason for me to pull away and get unplugged, don't you think? Now, I'm understanding that anxiety doesn't have to have a hold on me. And just because I experience it doesn't mean I'm back into bondage. What it does mean is that I kept on going back and accepting truth. Kept on going back, accepting truth. Spending time with God until I realized that truth superseded my feelings that I was going through this. Unfortunately, my body is really tired now. And all I want to do is sleep. And that's okay. But my spirit has connected one more time to truth, has connected that I am well-loved and well-accepted, and that has not changed just because I spent a week of anxiety. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, trust me when I'm telling you, my body has the wear and tear like everybody else, and so I need to be smart. I need to eat well. I need to sleep. I need to exercise. I need to do all of those things. Or that stress, those stressors, will actually affect me physically. And so there are things we must do in the physical, but in the spiritual realm, we have to go back to truth. We have to go back and find the truth that God has ordained all that I went through last week and the week before. He's ordained it. And if I know my father loves me and his, he has his best interest in me, that I'm understanding, even though I don't understand this, I do understand this. He doesn't change. I might not like this, but I love this because he is who he is. We can trust that he will provide us with everything else that we need in this world. Our identity in Christ has given us direct access to our heavenly father who can call on, who, where we can call on him with confidence and complete assurance. You see, I am complete in Christ. I might not feel it, but I am. And I will be. When this journey is over, I will shoot the, uh, shout the hallelujahs from this pulpit. But until I get through it, I will proclaim truth to my soul. And I will speak to my soul. It is enough. Quiet yourself. We need to rediscover these truths. And this brings me to the last one. We are set free from comparisons. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The area of comparison is wholly centered around the issue of identity. This is an ouch moment for me when I was going through this. I hope it's not an ouch moment. If it is, we're in good company. It's sometimes we can do without, we, we, we do it without realizing it. The struggle with comparing ourselves to others stems from an insecurity with our own identity. 
If we are constantly looking to others to see how we fit in or how we should do things, then we mustn't trust the foundation of our identity as worthy and secure. If I'm forever going to everything else to define me, then there must be some place that I don't believe the foundation that I am worthy and secure, that God can provide and give me all that I need. And so we have to start there. If not, we'll always go to our faulty identities, always going around the same cycle. If you don't believe, start there. God, help my unbelief. I do this knowing truth is telling me something differently. So we know this is, an, this is really crucial. We need to acknowledge our struggle with, with comparisons because if we don't, we, are, we fall into the trap. C.S. Lewis says this, Comparison, comparisons is fueled by, the, uh, by a drive to attain a sense of worth by not just being rich and clever, but being richer and cleverer. I can't even say that word. Than others. This kind of life reflects an identity that lacks the assurance and certainty that we all crave. You see, we are looking for assurance and certainty. I have to tell you, this is what God had exposed with me last year. You see, I was so uncertain because I was looking to the wrong things for that certainty. And it took me a little while to figure it out, beloved. And God never gave up. He never ejected. You know, he never shut the door. He stayed with me all along, giving me truth, causing me to ask, asking me. I got a free will. You're going to accept this or you're going to reject it? Our identity in Christ and everything that we do relates to everybody as well. If mine is off, then I'm going to have issues relating with others. And that's why Philippians 2.3 says this, don't act out of selfish ambition or be conceited. Instead, humbly think of others as being better than yourself. You see, when we have identity issues, pride comes up, defensiveness comes up, lack of grace, inability to trust, it really, really goes back down to is that you really have, you're living the wrong identity. Grasping what Philippians says could not be more freeing for you and I when it comes living with others. Things you see in others that you wish you naturally had yourself, rather than coveting, you will by choice go to God and say, God, you did it for her, I need you to do it for me. So you stop the comparisons, you stop fueling yourself or your drive to define yourself by something else instead of going to God. And so God is asking you and telling you, in Christ. You lack nothing. Because the identity that Christ gives us is secure and has been won for us as a free gift, there is no way possible for us now, being in Christ, to actually lose our ability. But because we reject it, we lack satisfaction. We lack, you know, uh, love for others. We lack our ability to, to walk. And so we really what it means is that we've, gr- we've failed to grasp how wonderful our identity is in Christ. When things get exposed on your journey, beloved, where do you go to redefine how you're thinking? Just think about that. I'm finished, by the way. When things are happening in your life, where do you go to redefine how you're going to respond? Do you go to your defaults? You shut down, you eat yourself to oblivion, you hide yourself through videos or TV? Do you go to your wall of anger, 
fear and you hide behind it thinking you're okay? God is teaching us about who we are in our circumstances. We are already completely affirmed and secure in the eyes of God. He sees us as we see as he sees Christ right now. It has nothing to do about our feelings, but it has everything to do about where do you go to get defined. I have to tell you, God has been going after a whole lot of things. I'm, I'm, I'm 56, and I realize that even though that I've lived a lifetime of a whole lot of bad experiences, a lot of good as well, that there are a lot of things that I still am drawn to to define me. Narratives, messages. It's only been in the last year on my journey to discover who I am in Christ more than I've ever have that I realized my definition of who I am was really based on who was in my life. It had to come to an end, beloved. It has to come to an end for me, but it also has to come to an end for you because life is uncertain at best. I can't even tell you if I'm going to be here for next week because I could die during the week. You know, I'll make my plans, beloved. I hope I see you on Friday and on Tuesday and on Thursday, and I hope this, but really the reality is that I have to be okay today with who and what Christ has done for me. We should not be surprised when suffering comes our ways but we can be confident that it will, it will bring eternal value in our lives. Have you been changed by Christ? Have you been changed by this identity that I'm just starting to bring to you? I want one last scripture. I want you to go home with that one. It's 1 Peter 2.9. Let's look at how God describes you and I and how we should drench our lives, and how it comes to us and it tells us where our worth and our significance is. This is what he says in 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What if I challenged you this week to pull out this scripture and start defining your as what God says you are today. When described this way by God, why would we look at life and think that life is meaningless? To be named by God his special possession, his very own, captures our hearts and rids our, rids our life of heavy feelings of nothingness. Did you ever, ever feel that sense of nothingness, numb? that you have no purpose and no direction in your life, that everything just continues going without you. Beloved, I'm telling you, God has proclaimed something in your life and he's asking you and me to stand up in the realities of truth because the days are coming. If you don't know how to stand now when things are tough and unable to move through, you will not be able to understand then. 
It is now in the days of sunshine. All of us are going through many things, but let me tell you what we're about to embark will be nothing with what we're going through now. But if we see our circumstances through the light and the grid of our identity in Christ, and we start living our life and accepting truth and rejecting the lies, then we will be able to stand in a day where we're seeing our society departing from God. We must remain in the truth. If we do not remain in the truth, beloved, you will be defined. And it will not be truth. And you will not be victorious. You will not experience the empowerment you need to face what's coming. It is a time that we choose today. We are called to sing his praises throughout our lives. Life becomes meaningful in its truest sense when our identities in Christ bring to fruition in our hearts a glad, thankful, and constant communion with God. Is your identity bringing you back to a glad, thankful communion with God and witnessing to others God's glory? I want to finish with a little saying, a little thing from David Wilkerson. He says this, Our Lord doesn't use angels to witness his glory. He uses his people. His desire, he, he desires to train us as special particular breed. He is looking to prove his word in our lives so that the world will believe it when we proclaim it. You see, people are looking for the reality. Are you truly living what you believe? He wants to present to the unbelieving nations a faithful people who have been rooted by hard times, broken by deep trials, yet who continue to trust him. When we believe we are in Christ and all is ours is unchanging and unmoving, it is exactly what we do when people look to our lives. They start witnessing God's glory in our lives. They start witnessing people who go through hard times but come out of it different. Not bitter, but better. That's the power of that identity. That's the power of that identity. Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. Beloved, if today you're still in darkness with who, with who you are, as a father, as a mother, as a sister or brother, as a friend, as a co-worker, as a Christian, you are greatly moved by whatever people are saying or by whatever you are living. And it's not truth that defines you. It's your pain. It's your pain that defines you. It's the past wounds that define you. It's the message from the past. It's the needs that you feel God is not providing is the inability to trust that God can and will do what he says he's going to do. That's where we have to start. So we're just going to listen to some music. We're going to give you some time to reflect on, is it your identity in Christ that defines you on a whole? And when things are exposed to you, where do you go to redefine it? Is it the word of God? Is it the word messages? 
Or is it your friends? Is it your family? Is it your darkness? If God has exposed this today, beloved, remember he exposed us to set you free. But he's a gentleman. He won't go anywhere you are not letting him go in. That's where surrender comes into play. So if there is a place in your heart that is left unsurrendered and you understand it still defines you, that all he's asking you is to open the door. And his love, his mercy, his perfection will come into play. And you keep on letting him do that until he finishes. As I'm going to let him heal me of all of the anxiety, give me new sight to see, I'm going to trust him, not me. Amen? You are not alone. You are loved and you are accepted today and you are secured in something so much bigger than what you see before you. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we praise you, Lord, that your word is true. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. God, we know, Lord, that your love is unfailing. Your mercies are there every morning. You are compassionate. You are forgiving. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you today and just be real with what defines us on a daily basis. God, we are tired of being moved by the message, by the approval of others, by what we have or don't have. God, we ask, Lord, that you would move us to a place of truth, that you would expose every lie in our life. Lord, we're banking on you. We will find our security in you and therefore not be greatly shaken. We thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, do what you do best, set free. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.